Hello, I'm Dan Worth, and welcome to the latest edition of the TES International Podcast. Our guest today is Tom Duckley, the Director of Learning at Eglon College in Switzerland. We chat about how the school's discovery curriculum uses a mix of trips, expeditions, and of course, classroom learning to help students in years seven to nine answer big questions about the world, from who are we and where do we come from, to what do we mean by identity and being part of a community? How do you maintain this during a pandemic? Tom, hi there. Thanks so much for joining us today. I uh, really appreciate you giving up your time to chat with us. I think it should make a very um, insightful conversation. And I think really the best place to start, just to understand a little bit more about you, you know, your role at the school, uh, perhaps a little bit of your background of how you came to be working there, just so we can sort of set the, the conversation we're going to have in that context. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm in charge of the academic side of Eglon College, which is in the Swiss Alps. So we're, uh, we're up in the Swiss Alps, just sort of above Montreux. Um, we've got a ski lift within a stone's throw from the school. Um, we're an international boarding school of about 385 students. And we do the IB, International Baccalaureate, here as well. Uh, we are one of the older international schools in the world. Not the oldest, but one of the older international schools in the world. So we're 70 years old. Um, and so for myself, I'm the director of learning here. I run all of the academic side or the curriculum side of the school. Uh, I've been, my wife and I have been international teachers now for about, about a decade or so, I should say. Uh, uh, previously, the first international job, we went out to Jerolong International School, which is a, an excellent school uh, in a very strange country called Brunei in Southeast Asia, um, where I was assistant head. Uh, and then obviously I've come over here the assistant head and um, recently our the previous uh, deputy head for curriculum got promoted to head of school Nicholas Barrow and so recently I've taken over as uh, director of learning here at Eglon. Excellent okay well you obviously sort of an interesting career path and, and it sounds like you've ended up in a very um, interesting part of the world now you know very picturesque and I hope you managed to do get some skiing in in the winter terms. Yeah absolutely I mean as I look out the window of my office I can see the Mont Blanc Massif and uh, Don de Mork and Don de Midi so I've got We've got view of the Alps and yeah, so in the summer of time we have uh, Lake Geneva and we also have mountain biking, but in the winter we have a full skiing program and students ski instead of um, PE in sports, they ski twice a week for half a day. Wow. Well, there you go. That's quite something. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, I mean, we'll talk about skiing more maybe later, but um, I think um, first thing we'd be interested to hear about is this sort of discovery program that I know is something you're sort of, you're, you're keen on and, and you, you know, you, you deliver at the school. Can you just again give us a bit of an insight into, into what that is and, and why you think that's important and how it sort of fits around the wider sort of delivery of curriculum that you that you do there? Yeah, so I mean, so the first thing to say is the Discovery Programme is our curriculum for our years seven to nine. So we, we do, do actually, uh, our years 10 to 11, they do sit the IGCSE and of course uh, our sixth form do sit the IB. But for years seven to nine, we have our own unique bespoke curriculum, which we call the Discovery Curriculum. Uh, before explaining what that is and how that works, it's probably quite useful to actually understand some of the history of the school. Mm. So uh, Eglon was set up in 1949 um, by a man called John Corlett. And John Corlett had worked at Gordonston uh, with Kurt Hahn, uh, obviously, you know, who founded some of the ideas behind Round Square and um, the Duke of Edinburgh Award, amongst other things. And particularly that, that idea of an experiential ed- education, which in the sort of 40s and 50s, the idea of going beyond just a classical traditional education. So he, he turned up here in Switzerland. He, he himself was educated in Switzerland after he had some health concerns, but he himself turned up here with six pupils originally. Um, and he, the idea then was to use classical ideas of a traditional 
in that in that guise as a traditional British boarding school, but with an appreciation of the environment and context and experience and and essentially the transformative power of um, of a holistic education. So it, it's quite important to understand that he had a very distinct philosophy and ethos. And actually, uh, not only does the school still subscribe to that ethos, we the discovery program is built upon that ethos. So despite the fact that for us the discovery pro- program is new and is occurring, we're building. Uh, for now, and it's relatively, you know, it's, it's an organic thing that's growing as we speak. Uh, it's actually based on ideas that were set up by our founder 70 years ago. So the educational ethos of the school uh, can be put into our guiding principles. And so every student, if you ask any student at Eglon who's left or is current, they will be able to t- tell you the guiding principles. And they are the balanced development of mind, body, and spirit through challenge, respect, responsibility, diversity, and service. So that, and that's sort of ingrained, you know, and it's, it's important for both our executive director and our head that they aren't just things that you know to say. They kind of define the way we look at the world and everything about us. Uh, and that, for many of our students as well, that mind, body, spirit thing, uh, the spirit isn't just faith, actually. It's an appreciation of the sort of, for want of a better word, the essence of ourselves or our, our purpose in life. So Eglon has, has actually always tried to offer more than just a traditional book textbook education if you will i see in some ways then that sounds like almost like it was quite ahead of its time really in that in education more more generally has sort of caught up a little bit to that idea now but actually at the time that was quite ahead of the curve almost absolutely yeah i mean it would have been, it was very progressive and very bold um and equally kurt hahn is, is very famous um but you know uh, John Corlett was doing this in an international setting. So I don't wish to criticise other schools, but you hear the word holistic in terms of education used quite a lot by other schools and on other websites. Uh, but this is a genuinely holistic education that goes beyond the classroom. Uh, I mean, so for many of our, you know, people, if people do know Eglon College, a lot of the times they know about our expeditions department. So our expeditions department are a, are a world-leading, you know, outdoor education department. They're, they're full-time. Uh, and equally, every Eglon student will do three minimum expeditions per term uh, and if they do five they get something called a booker tan so in any one weekend uh, about 50 percent of the school is out on expedition and these expeditions i mean i did duke of edinburgh at school you know and that was we did that once a year and it was a, a long walk essentially and a bit of orienteering uh, these students are doing rock climbing uh, you know uh, all sorts of skinning ski expeditions uh, all sorts of really intrepid things and they're doing that sometimes you know, 10, 15 times a year. Um, so it's a very unusual, so it's a very unique education then and even now as well. Mm. Yes, that, that throws up a lot of questions. And I suppose, you know, we'll, we'll come on to coronavirus and the issue of how do you do things like this if you can't go anywhere and, and you're you know, sort of in a, in a lockdown situation. But to bring it into more, in, in a more normal set of circumstances and times, um, how does that sort of, you know, how does that form a curriculum then in terms of more traditional just the subjects they learn in school? Is that, is that how those, are those expeditions and those trips, are they sort of linked in with subjects they're learning and it provides a sort of an educational input as well as a sort of a mind and spirit benefit as well? That's a good question. Uh, and so our, the Discovery Programme first started actually when our assistant head uh, of curriculum, James Piggott, he kind of saw a gap in our provision, which was that we had these IGCSE and IB, we have this incredible expeditions programme, but we to be honest, our year seven to nine program was, was fine, but it was a little bit disparate, a little bit disjointed places. So the idea was essentially to build a, a framework for that, that overrode all of not only what happens in the classroom, but the whole school. So the discovery program kind of invites our students to sort of use the guiding principles uh, in, within the whole academic environment. 
and kind of tries to unite our classroom, our co-curricular programme and our expeditions programme as well. I think it's quite important at this point to sort of uh, explain what discovery, discovery programme isn't as well. So for us, discovery is a word we use to sort of describe inspiration, awe and wonder. Uh, we're not actually, it's not about a sort of discovery-based pedagogy. So we're not necessarily, you know, Vygotsky or Bruner. It's not all done through sort of inquiry and um, discovery. So we actually have, we're trying. And if you go back to the thing I mentioned about uh, John Corlett and the sort of the mixture of classical ideas and a progressive philosophy, we're, what we're looking to do actually is to use a traditional subject-based uh, education with a very high level of knowledge that everyone would expect. So students are still in, we're not sort of following Scandinavian models where everything's breaking down. Um, we, have, we have lessons and we have subjects and students know they are in that lesson and subject. But instead, what we're trying to do is we're trying to make sure that we tie all of the ideas under these firstly central focuses and questions. So we have a big focus for each year. And then, you know, and some of these ideas come from all sorts of areas and NYP has some similar ideas. And we like the NYP, but it just wasn't quite right for us. And we essentially have those, we have research questions that follow us through. So to put that in a more specific, so in year seven, for example, the question is, who are we and where do we come from? And that question is the question for the whole of the year seven curriculum. Now, that doesn't mean they do that every lesson and every subject, but in every subject, we try to get them to link to some of the key focuses, which are things like identity and connections and communities and global interactions. So those themes will run across the whole of year seven. And what that means is that we essentially, and actually we, have, we aren't teaching anything different particularly. Uh, we've always been quite good at using our environment here. So our geography teachers will go off on, you know, go up to glaciers with the students and things like that, because we're very fortunate about our environment. Um, but what we will do instead is we've asked people essentially to rejig their curriculum so that they're teaching the right things at the right time, uh, if that makes sense. Uh, and to answer your, your question about trips, there's also part of this, the experiential side of this is we, all of the, the, the process culminates in a trip. Um, so each year group has two trips per year. And what happens then is that all of that learning sort of filters in. It's not always explicit. It's not that they don't get bogged down by discovery but we're thinking kind of reverse backwards planning from the trip saying what would make the trip more beneficial for the students? How can we really provide them with that element of awe and wonder when they go on a trip? So they don't just go on the trip, but uh, they're actually employing ideas. So a quick example about mm. this is the fact that, you know, they, one of the trips in year eight is they go to Corfu and on that trip, they are following the route of Odysseus and they're doing their sailing qualification. So the students get a sailing qualification, but part of that is understanding how to sail a boat, but also the vectors they learn in mathematics. And of course, the history of Odysseus and the Greek civilization. And of course, some of the poetry along with that. So our, our concept is that, you know, we're teaching similar things to what we were teaching, but trying to illuminate trips and really bring things to life so that we make incredibly meaningful learning experience for students. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like an incredible experience. And, and I'm, I, I suppose that something that sort of strikes me is, do you think sometimes it's easy to sort of, or, or people maybe don't think enough as a trip in, in as many ideas of what it can deliver as that? Do you think sometimes they're too pegged on, it's a history trip, it's a geography trip, rather than it being a trip that can offer all those things and a bit more on top of it if you think creatively? Yeah, absolutely. But the other thing for us as well to, to sort of add on to that is part of this is, it, a lot of it comes back to your sort of definition of, of learning. So, you know, you know, there's a lot of discussion about what is learning. No one can necessarily answer that question. 
I know that we are quite evidence informed here. So a lot of our, our PD with teachers is evidence informed, you know, uh, metacognition and all those sort of things. But, you know, if I hear, if I think about Kirshner's definition of learning, which is learning is a change in long term memory. I, I personally don't really like that. It's a bit dull. But if I think of Connor, who says it's based upon input, process and reflection, it's what changes us. That's, that's pretty cool that learning is something that changes us. And I like that. Mm. And then, so for us to, to go back to that trip point with the reflection, so part of the assessment, and we're working on the assessment, the assessment, we're not there yet with the assessment, but we assess the normal things, but we're also looking to uh, assess the, the nature of discovery and the nature of the sort of spirit. And what that means is for, for us as well is that, that reflective quality. Uh, and, you know, so we ask students to reflect on trips. We ask them to write journals on trips. We ask them to essentially come up with their own assessment at the end of the trip to, to express what they've gone through. And, and for example, if I go back to the Tenerife trip, some students did art to express what they've learned. Others wanted to write an essay or a newspaper report. Um, and we, we're really flexible with that so that the students really take something from the trip. Uh, as you say, so it's not just a history trip, but it is, it is a, a, a something that can then, you know, to go back to that definitely is something that changes us. Mm. That's, that's very interesting. And do you think that, um, do you see them? I mean, I'm sure you must do, but do you, you, you know, as you go through these trips, as they go through their experiences, do you see the pupils change in terms of, again, both as learners in the classroom when they return, but also as, as young people, you know, finding themselves and so forth. You must see that quite, quite clearly sometimes in the way that these, these experiences impact them. Yeah, I mean, we are, as I say, you know, going back to the previous, the previous values, we are a character based education here, you know, and that's people send their students to Eglon not just for the results. And our results are strong, are really strong, but they, at the same time, actually, they want them to develop as people. And we see that all the time. And the other one, you know, as the person who's in charge of the academics and the curriculum here, actually, one of the things that's really interesting about discovery is, is it provides a level of access as well. So that, that interest and that access for students, the students who might struggle with engagement under a sort of traditional approach they they you know they, they absolutely come alive so not only do they develop as people and part of the you know so we have our own definition of learning here which we call the guiding principles for learning uh, and they're not all about memory for example in there is integrity and inclusivity and generosity and compassion and, and those concepts are really important for us and we and we we want to and again as our assessment middle uh, model bot builds over time we really want to employ those ideas to sort of reward how people grow as, how students grow as people, not just as learners. That's the, the point you made there about assessment. And I think you said earlier that, you know, you should say we're not quite there yet on assessment of, of this and, and the sort of, how do you measure this is an interesting one because there's been a lot of talk in the last few months about, you know, does, do we need a new form of education assessment? You know, doesn't this last few months prove that and it, something that's too reliant on exams and, and so forth doesn't really work and, ignores a lot of the sort of soft skills and other sort of life skills that you need can you talk then a little bit about why is it that you haven't quite got there yet with assessment is it just you haven't done it for enough years to have a sort of set of data to look and you know other other sort of examples to compare against or is it just hard to really sort of how do you you know how do you score someone's own personal development type of thing i mean how how is that all playing out i think i mean i, I always get this quote wrong but you know the einstein quote whatever it is worth being counted you can't doesn't count or what that one mm. Um, yeah. you know, so I think the key point of that is that we often assess the lowest hanging fruit in education. And I think that's the point. And that's why, you know, bad educational models and bad curriculum 
look for, in my opinion, simple levels of knowledge and memory. Now we are very pro knowledge and I, you know, one thing I really want, I don't want people to come away thinking the discovery program is not about knowledge. We are very pro knowledge. Uh, but equally, if you're just assessing knowledge, you're not necessarily assessing the whole student. Uh, and, you know, so the reason we haven't done it yet is I, could, I think nobody's done it particularly well. Uh, I mean, I, I think, you know, we have had conversations with uh, the Mastery Transcript Consortium, who are an American company. And they're looking at different assessment models that move beyond a number or a letter, essentially. And, you know, so our assessment model for discovery is in under three columns, essentially. Knowing, doing and discovering. And knowing's, knowing and understanding is, is quite easy to assess. Doing, which sort of involves application and skills, is, again, reasonably easy to assess, a little bit harder. But discovery, the essence of, you know, spirit and insight and inspiration and aspiration, that's really hard to, to quantify. Uh, now, we're increasingly quite comfortable with not quantifying that and, you know, telling the stories about the students who transform in front of us that's in many respects more inspiring and more rewarding but it's really hard to put that on a report card <laughs> um, and again so I guess you know is the assessment for actually appreciating the learning that's happening or for the report card and they're two very separate things so I could talk to you about individual stories and tell you about transformations of students but at the same time again I can't necessarily transfer that to a number or a letter or a report card quite clearly I think we're not alone in that. A lot of schools have that issue. Well, I was going to say, I mean, that, that idea of transferring that to a report card in the traditional sense, I can understand how that could be quite difficult. But do you think there's even a thing here, and this is slightly sort of um, putting the cat amongst the pigeons, but do you think there's a thing where maybe teachers will have to sort of learn to get better at writing and, and you know, um, communicating how they've seen a pupil change under a system like this to make it work? It's not just going to be about, oh, we need to have a system that ends up with a letter. As you say, it has to be, we have to find the way, the words, and the way to articulate that that means something to parents, to future employers, even. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think that. I, I think that you know, further down the line in educational models, whether in five, ten, fifteen, twenty years, I can't imagine the same system of, of I say, numbers or letters will be a, applicable to a modern world. It doesn't mean they're totally removed because you'll always want to know what someone got in a test, mm. uh, and we're not we're not removing tests. But you know, if you want to talk about a person, uh, and again, you know, we. We send students to all of the best you know, universities in the world, like many international schools, uh, and often they don't. You know, they obviously want them to have academic success. And you know, our, our average and our above 40 percentage is our 27% or whatever. So they know that they're going to be academically strong, but they actually want to know how many expeditions they've done. One thing I haven't uh, mentioned yet as well is a big part of the educational ethos of the school is based around service as well. Obviously, that's one of our guiding principles but every student at Eglon at some point will do a formalized form of service and within these trips as well is often an element of service so for example on the year nine trip they go to Cambodia uh, and as part of that there we are in, you know we're in touch with the grassroots community uh, and they they essentially do different jobs whatever is needed by the community uh, last time I think they were putting together water tanks and they, you know our students were had to budget plan build you know, implement uh, and install water tanks for villages to make sure they work. Um, and that's an incredible experience for a year nine student to have. Now, again, put it on a report card, you, you can't. But, um, you know, we're, we're proud enough to say that, that that is a transformative experience. That is what changes us. When you, when you do these trips and how sort of adaptable can you be? Are they sort of the same thing every year in the same locations? Or do you, do you have to sort of try and change them every so often to make sure they... 
fit, you know, what's current, what seems important. So how, how much sort of flexibility are you able to have on that? Uh, so, yeah, again, I mean, so the assistant head of curriculum, James, is, he's, the, he's the brains behind the trip. I, he can tell you that I'm dreadful at organising trips myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real weak spot for mine. Uh, but I, you know, if I, so yes, they do change, but we would like them to become, uh, you know, embedded and long-term because so, that's how you build relationships with communities around the world. So one change we have made, though, because it was really interesting, actually, when Discovery came in, um, one of the first things that was brought forward by, by parents, students and staff was about travel and about you know, the, the environmental impact of travel. Um, and that was a really interesting discussion. And so the first change that we made was actually all of the autumn trips are in Switzerland. So, you know, the autumn trips, year seven, uh, they go to Zurich, they go to Ballenberg. Uh, and I forget where that, I forget where around the groups goes, but they, so they're all, all in Switzerland. So there's mm. same principles, same ideas of learning, same, you know, they're not a service based necessarily. They're not as exotic, but the idea is that you're using the curriculum. You're using the knowledge that you provide the students to create an experience, which, which provides more than just a trip, if you will. Mm. And then the summer trips, obviously winter here is our, is our skiing term. Obviously that's when the snow's here. Uh, so in ski, in that term, we have something called long expeditions. So students will go uh, skinning, which is kind of uphill skiing, and they'll do two, three, four days going in between um, huts on the mountains and stuff. So in the summer, though, then, so our year sevens go to NASA in, uh, in, in America. Our year eights go to Corfu um, to, to follow Odysseus. And then the year nines will go to Cambodia. I mean, they, they sound like some incredible um, locations to, to go, but... I suppose there'll be people listening who, for whatever reason, whether it's you know, budget or size of school or even just what, you know, where, where they are based, it's harder to do things and get to other parts of the world more easily. Do you think, though, that the, the, the takeaway should not be that you, go, you have to go somewhere and do something incredibly sort of you know, wow factor? It's more about, again, that sort of thinking about how can you adapt the form of a trip or an expedition or something like that to match a curriculum objective and then take it a step further into I mean, learning. That's totally what we how we're feeling about it and that's that's you know that's an important thing to get across obviously we are fortunate with our students and our budgets and our and our scenario we understand that not everyone can do that but it's not it's about relevance essentially it's about mm. making experiences that are actually impactful and again you know that are transformative so it's not actually it doesn't really matter where you go and it was a big thing when we started this it was it was actually one of the harder things to communicate was this is not just a load of trips and it's not just you know it's not trips for the sake of it uh, interestingly of course um you know you, you don't need to be a genius to realize that now's not a good time to run trips mm. so uh you know in, in the current climate with where there's so many restrictions on travel and so many sort of nations related to the pa pandemic we we can't do what we would necessarily want to do and i should also uh, outline as well that it's not just the trip it's also there's lots of little learning experiences throughout so for our expeditions department again where all the students have an opportunity to go and do an expedition every weekend they're also involved with the discovery curriculum so they're fully aware of what theme and what question is going on with each year group and they build that into their expeditions program and they can do little experiences locally as well so no to, to answer your question i mean you know we are obviously building this here uh, but further down the line, we'd love this to be a, an educational curriculum model because we, we believe in it. We believe mm -hmm. that it's a, you know, a, a genuinely inspirational form of learning. Um, and I think it could be applied to essentially any situation. Uh, it doesn't have to be NASA. 
you could be your local urban environment and you can learn loads about your local urban environment that would allow you to see it through different eyes and with more knowledge. Do you, have you sort of ever engaged with other schools or, or in the model and then sort of talked to them about it or is it still very much just something that's unique to, to your setting? So, no, at the moment it's totally unique, um, totally unique to Eglon. And so we, and we are, you know, we're still, it's kind of growing organically as well. So it's still early mm. days and obviously, you know, early years. And of course, we've also, like many people, been Im- impacted by, uh, by COVID. So, but no, I mean, further down the line, assuming, it, you know, it is impactful and it works, we would definitely be interested in sharing it wider with other schools. Well, and, and we'll come on to coronavirus in, in, in a moment, but one last question I'd like to ask there is you, you said about, you said, um, you know, each year has a sort of big question that they aren't, they have to sort of, they're sort of looking at throughout their, their year of study. Can you just literally just tell us what those questions are and again, how were they formed? How did you decide on those? Uh, so, I mean, well, so we kind of work backwards as well from the IB. Now, I like the IB. I'm very pro IB and I've done quite a lot of work in TOK as well. So TOK has <laughs> over the years become my subject. Mm. Um, and that's all. I, I work with Cambridge on the textbook TOK. So they're kind of built from some IB ideas and TOK questions. Uh, but the, the questions, so in year seven, uh, the overall question is who are we and where do we come from? And then the four supplementary questions are how is identity constructed? How am I connected to others? What does it mean to be part of a community? And what does it mean to be part of a global community? And they're all really important questions. Uh, year eight is how do I express myself? And now we move into what is culture and why is it important? How do we express ourselves? What is change? Uh, what roles do creativity play in problem solving? In year nine is how do we know the world? And here the questions get a little bit more specific, which is how do systems influence us? How does logic influence our thinking? How do concepts of time, space and place influence our perception of the world? And lastly, how does perspective influence our understanding of knowledge? So there are sort of guiding questions. Uh, and then what we do is actually they apply to all sorts of areas. You know, so, for, you know, and people might think that they fit instantly to the humanities. But actually, our, our science department is incredibly excited to relate these sort of more philosophical, deeper questions to, you know, to DNA and all those sort of things. So, that, um, and so you know, they, they kind of they oversit all of our subjects. Yeah, there's some, there's some great questions there, aren't there? And I think, you could, like you said, you can see how actually if you sort of have start with them as your, your sort of learning goals to, to work towards and then, and then the subjects have to sort of think about how they could answer those, help them answer those questions. As, as you said, you can see actually there are ways in on all kinds of subjects into those sort of questions and, and still bring in very practical, very specific factual knowledge, but within a framework of how does this help you understand the world or understand something about yourself much more deeply. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, again, that, you know, for us, everything comes back to our, those initial values and that, you know, for us, that the mind, body, spirit and the appreciation of our, your purpose and your essence of yourself. And that's what, that's what we want students to come away from Englon knowing, you know, you know, know thyself, cliched as it may be, that's, that's one of our important goals. Mm. Well, and obviously, I mean, at the moment, you know, there's so much going on in the world, they, those sort of questions sound very important. And I suppose... We've, we've, we've sort of skirted around coronavirus a couple of times, but I think it's time we, we sort of address that in that how then can you deliver, an, you know, an experiential trip and expedition-based learning when, when you can't do those things? And I'm sure you, you, you found ways to adapt, but can you tell us a little bit about what that process has been like? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's undoubtedly a challenge. I mean, for us, you know, when you offer such an experiential curriculum, and that's not just our curriculum, that's the whole thing we provide here, you know, we have 150 odd 
different activities that run for students from mountain biking to paper engineering per week you know uh, equally we you know we have a we have a full and extensive expeditions program here so it we have to consider all of that in light of what's been what's been going on in the world and we we are very fortunate because we are blessed by the world around us here i say i mean we are on a mountain side with a ski resort above us and lake geneva at the bottom of the hill mm. so in terms of where environments are that you can be stuck to find learning experiences around you it, it's not that hard to adapt to your local area I mean, moving forward for the next year, as I say, the autumn term is still in Switzerland. And, you know, we are, we need to just be aware of Swiss guidelines and the advice of the Swiss authorities to see if such a trip is possible. And at the moment, it isn't. Uh, and that's mainly because we need to be very mindful of, of uh, in terms of public transport or any forms of transport, et cetera, et cetera. But of course, that can be, that can be changed if we need it to be. And then we still are currently discussing and planning and hoping that at the end of next summer uh, the summer term that we will still have the fully immersive experiential trips and we're still planning for that now obviously with many things we have had to undo lots of plans you know like all schools we've had to cancel various service trips and all sorts of things because of, because of what's happened so um you know but actually it, I, I mean i'm i'm quite uh <laughs> i'm quite grateful in many respects to the fact that the the virus has actually taken away from the because some people would criticize this as just you just want to go on trips you know but actually for me uh, it's not about the trips it's about the theory and the ethos of our school and and our conception of learning and actually in many respects when you remove the trips those questions and those themes and the sort of the connectivity amongst the subjects that actually that becomes more apparent so could we actually could run it for a year without trips if we needed to because it's the it's the underlining theory and the, the goals of the sort of the educational values that are more important to me than just the trips. Mm. Is there a good example of something you did then in the last few months, which replaced that again, the trip? And I'm thinking there must've been some students then who were, who didn't get to go on their, their big trips to America or to Cambodia. I mean, that must've been quite hard, but again, I suppose you, you, did you find workarounds for them? And again, maybe even that in itself is part of learning, part of learning to, to manage disappointment and, you know, change and change as you said earlier. Well, I think so. And I think that's that, it comes back to that reflective quality of learning and that, that idea of you know, different ways of students experiencing their uh, recording and thinking about their own experience. So, I mean, so yes, I mean, I was absolutely amazed by the creativity and innovation of our students and our, our teachers during remote learning. I mean, it was an inspirational thing to see. So, yes, and it, within their own environments and with it, they were set challenges. You know, you know, simple things, but our, our students were still able to do expeditions because they recorded their steps and uh, equated them to mountains in the world. And many of our students with their own staircase managed to climb Everest and things like that. So there was all, yeah, there was an incredible amount of creative solutions that were provided. But yeah, but yeah undoubtedly for those students, sad because they, they miss out on that experience. But in the grand scheme of things, that's a worldwide problem, I think. Mm. Is that the kind of thing you did then? You sort of you set them challenges or, or, or ask them to be creative in how they could achieve another kind of you know, do something that, that represented a type of trip or expedition or a learning experience in, in their home environment. And that's the kind of things they just came up with. We had weekly challenges that were set as a school um, and we and we did all sorts of uh, different things that tried to bring the community together. I mean, for our, our remote learning actually was was unusual I think in some respects we're a very international school I think we've got something like 65 different nationalities here um, and as the person who's in charge of the academic side that's a real challenge because 
you're dealing, and I know this is shared by many international schools, you're dealing with an incredible amount of time zones there. Mm. Um, and and that, was, that was a really interesting one. But weirdly, our students, uh, we started with exactly the same model of our school day. Uh, and we started with that to provide stability and reassurance and consistency for our students. But we started with that totally in the belief that we would change it after a couple of weeks. And actually, our attendance levels online were, were still, regardless of time zones, in the 85%. And obviously, we recorded the meetings and the lessons. Mm. Um, and actually, quite plausibly, I feel that, you know, at the end of the term, we essentially managed to do the same term throughout. And we kept, for example, we have another distinct part of our educational ethos is that we start every morning with meditation. Um, and meditation is not necessarily, your, um, when you say that, people assume the sort of, uh, Buddhist idea of meditation and it can be that but actually our view of meditation is a bit more like for, for British listeners a bit more like thought for the day um, and you know and I think I can't remember what Colette said out this but it was you drop a stone into the pool of thought to pools of significance or something something like that mm. um, and, and we still did that every day we still have managed to do that despite the distance uh, we still managed to do assemblies uh, and we still we you know we still run music lessons and, and say so we still run expeditions so I was completely blown away by the innovation that people managed to provide. That is, that is interesting. And, and I suppose, like you said, it's that thing of being adaptable and, and finding new ways to deliver it. And I suppose that means, and you said earlier that you were hoping that next year you can go back to those sort of full, the full expeditions and, and return to, I guess, you know, normality as it were. But I, I presume also you're also sort of thinking about, well, maybe we can't. And if so, can we adapt again? find new ways is that fair is that something you're sort of thinking about for next year yeah i mean that's, that's something we'll start to process uh you know when when the students come back i mean we're still you know so switzerland's a very safe country at the moment and forbes said it was the safest country in the world to be um so we, we are reasonably reassured by the situation in switzerland but of course we're fully uh, fully aware that students are coming from around the world to return um so we, we're going to face all sorts of challenges along those lines i mean i think our priority is that when the students get back here, we provide them, we don't allow this year group or these particular years to lose out. We need to provide them with the best possible education, the most inspirational education. It's not enough to just say, okay, sorry, you, you're the, for want of a better word, you're the COVID generation, therefore you don't get this trip. Um, if we, obviously we would never be irresponsible. So if we can't go to a country, we're not gonna go there, but we'll just adapt. And we'll, you know, as I say, Switzerland's a beautiful place and we'll, we'll, we'll find, because again, the, the questions, you know, who, who am I or who are we? I mean, that, that question is, is, it could, could be dealt with anywhere at all. So yeah, we will we'll just, we'll adapt to whatever the situation is. Yeah. Well, that, as you say, I can't sometimes think of a better place to sit and, and ponder questions like that than on a, on an Alp looking at a yeah. Lake Geneva, <laughs> <laughs> the snow falling, you know, I think it's, yeah, like you said, a very, a very unique setting and a lucky one, but if you've got it there, then, you know, and I, and I suppose actually, you're, again, I was sort of, this is something that's come out a lot in lockdown, isn't it? It's about learning to appreciate what's around you in your own local environment or your back garden or anything. And if you can, wherever you are in the world, there's a way of doing that. If you just sort of stop and, and think and, and look at it in a different way and you can achieve some of these same things you're talking about where you are or anywhere. And of course, I mean, underlying this whole, whole curriculum is the idea of knowing more and wanting to know more. That sort of that desire to really understand things, that sort of the deeper level of you know whatever Hattie calls it deeper deeper level of appreciation and that you know that that is actually that can be anywhere at all so for us you know if we want our students to be absolutely relentless insatiable learners 
uh, and we want to we want our curriculum to inspire that way of looking at the world so essentially that that that's more important than the where actually it's the way they look at it that's important and then they say we're, we're fortunate with where we are that we can we can definitely offer them a lot of different versions around mm. here there's a lot of food for thought they're both on you know things of assessment and how we help students you know progress in life not just academically but in other themselves and again like the challenges you've, you've faced and how you're working to overcome them and I think it'd be very interesting to sort of you know, keep in touch, maybe maybe chat again in a, in a year's time or something, and, and hear about how you've managed that. So I think you know that's that's something we should we should do, and, and for, certainly for, for this conversation and the things you've that you've talked about, it'd be really interesting. I really appreciate your your insights. You're very welcome to come sit on an out. <laughs> I look forward to that. Thank you.